Tonight, we have a very special treat. Josh is out of town. That's not the treat. He's out of town for a um, conference and a little vacation with his wife, which is fantastic. So we have a guest speaker. Her name is Janelle. If you've ever met someone and thought, man, I'm an adult, but when I grow up, I want to be just like them, that's Janelle. She's amazing. Um, originally, she used to be in kids' ministry. Then she moved on to teaching at um, Salisbury Christian School. Some of you might recognize her from there. And she's currently a counselor downtown at a fabulous place called Lifemark. Highly recommend them. Everyone should be in counseling. It's great. <laughs> so she's going to share with us tonight. I'm thrilled to hear from her. We're going to pray for her shortly before she comes up here, okay? Lord God, I'm so grateful that you've given us this place and this time tonight to come and worship you and to hear from Janelle. I ask that you would fill this place with your presence, Lord, that you would speak to each one of us individually, open our hearts and minds to hear what you have to say through Janelle, Lord. I ask that you would give her the right words that come from you, Lord, that we would be changed forever and go out to the world and share your love with others. It's in your heavenly son's name I pray. Amen. Wow. That was really kind. Thank you very much. I um, really am, this is gonna sound like a stupid word, but it's the one that comes to mind, I'm tickled to be here. Is that lame? Like, um, I, uh, I have developed a very um, high regard for you all, and I have found you to be a very um, authentic and rare expression of the body of Christ. And so um, I'm tickled to get to be here tonight and get to be a part of that. I really, really am. And it's kind of neat the way the Lord arranges. I understand you guys have been working through the book of Mark. And here I am a children's pastor, and Josh got to handle the divorce passage last week, right? And I get to handle the little children in Jesus. Like, does it get any better than that? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confess something to you uh, tonight. Um, the, the human part of me... You know, coming here as a guest and knowing some of you and, um, you know, you, you want to knock it out of the park. Like, you, you want to do a good job. You want to impress people. You want to have something really profound to say. And this passage is so stinking simple. It's amazing. And uh, my prayer as we kind of work through this tonight is that you would find that the, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, would speak in you um, through the simplicity of this. Um, it, it really is uh, amazing. And so since you've been studying uh, Mark, you know, I'm guessing it's weeks and weeks and months, yeah? Okay, so you know Jesus has been busy, right? He has, he has been through a lot coming into this passage, right? Um, you know, coming out of his cousin, John the baptizer, being beheaded, and the emotion around that, the transfiguration, the disciples still not getting it, right? When we come into this, this passage here, Okay, so here it is in Mark 10, 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. And so uh, this passage is also in the other synoptic gospels. So the, the parallel passage in Luke is in 18. And it uses the word babies instead of little children, um, which you know, I've been just kind of enjoying Karis for a few minutes right before service started. Can you imagine people bringing little Karis's to Jesus and the disciples being, what are you doing? 
Get her out of here. They're responding, they're rebuking. Um, and in the Luke passage, it actually uses the word um, scolded, that the disciples scold the parents. It says parents were bringing their babies to Jesus and the disciples scold them for it. Um, then in Matthew 19, it says that uh, Jesus, they brought him to Jesus to place his hands on them and to pray for them. So that's a little bit different in that passage. But I find it um, interesting to, weigh the, to, to look at the way the different gospels present things, and it's, it's fun to flip through there. So it's Luke 18 and Matthew 19, if you're, if you're interested in that. And then I'm also a very visual person. I, I picture things, right? And so these are some of my favorites. Some of you older folks like me remember the one on your right. I'm, anybody? I'm not even seeing any nods. That was like on the front of my children's Bible. That was on the front of like a children's storybook I had. That is like a classic. I, I should even know the artist's name, but I don't. The one on the left I like because of the, see how the children are, are clothed in more modern day clothing and all different races and ages. I love that. And, that, and Jesus with short hair. That's kind of bizarre, isn't it? But we're going to go with it. And um, I just, I love the way that Jesus is just connecting Right? He's enjoying them. You can see it on his face, and that's how I visualize it. And I can hear him laughing with them, and the way he's just holding that little girl's face in his hands, beautiful. And then this is another one I picked that I really kind of like. And this is, a, this is a visual I go to often personally when I'm, when I'm needing to connect with Jesus. This is how I picture, and I'm that little girl, and he's wrapping me up uh, in his arms. And so what we're getting out of this is that children were important to Jesus. They mattered. And you know what? Therefore, they should matter to us. They should be important to us. And if it's okay, as a children's pastor of 16 years, I want to take two seconds before we jump into this passage just to affirm you and love on you and encourage you as a church who believes that, to have children in the sanctuary with you. They matter. And you know what? When they're in here with you, they get that. You're expressing that to them. We're not complete when our children aren't with us. Your children are, they, you are rich because you have children in this room with you and in this building with you. They are your greatest treasure. And I promise you that what you are investing in them is um, beyond understanding. I'm sure you've heard statistics about um, 80 to 85% of people who will accept Jesus into their heart are going to do so between the ages of 4 and 12. So um, I encourage you to, to hold on to this idea that, um, you know, we don't send children out so that the grown-ups can worship in peace, right? We want children to be part of the sanctuary and to enjoy worship and know that they belong and they are part of the body. And we also want to give them their own space to learn and to grow and be loved on um, at their age level, right? They matter. They're important. I used to have a sign over the, you know, the, in the nursery, you're not just changing a diaper, you're changing a life. Right? You know, and when it's your turn to do children's ministry, please understand what you're doing. They're just, there aren't words. There's no price on it. You're teaching them that God is safe, that church is safe, that God loves them, that the church loves them, that they belong, that they have a place. And um, if, if you don't believe me, I want to go back to a passage that you would have looked at a couple weeks ago in Mark 9, Right? the greatest in the kingdom, the disciples have been arguing, it says they came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he, that's Jesus, asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest, right? That's what they're fighting about on the way. And I love the way that Jesus does this because they didn't answer him. You understand, they stayed quiet, right? 
And Jesus says, sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. So he knew good and well what they were arguing about. But you know how, do we, how he asks that anyway? It's kind of like in the uh, Garden of Eden, right? God's going, where are you? He knows exactly where they are. He's wanting them to speak it. It's like you walking into the kitchen and you see your kid with uh, you know, chocolate all over their face and cookie crumbs all over the place. And you say, what have you done? You know good and well what they've done. You, you want them to speak it, right? Disciples don't answer, and Jesus says, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. And so I, I just again want to affirm, when you welcome children into the body, you are welcoming God himself. And that's not nothing. And in, in uh, the Matthew passage, this um, goes on. And you hold the whole millstone, and it's better, it would be better for you to have a millstone put around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea than for you to cause one of these little ones to stumble. And in, that, in Matthew, it's referring uh, to this child he has staying in front of him. And so um, you've, you've probably also noticed in Mark and in, in other Gospels, a lot of Jesus' teaching is around what the kingdom looks like. He's come to bring the kingdom on earth. He is the kingdom. He's introducing the kingdom. He keeps comparing things, trying to get people to understand this is what the kingdom looks like. And in Mark chapter 4, it seems to be all around seeds. Did you notice that? So first it's sowing seed. Then it's the idea of a seed becoming a stalk and then wheat. And it does a whole harvest while you're just going to bed every night. Like, and then goes even to a mustard seed. And so that, all of that is, is part of and leading into this passage. And next week, you're going to be getting into the rich young ruler, which in all three uh, Gospels, it goes from the little children passage into the rich young ruler. And, and, pay, and pay attention to what Jesus is trying to acknowledge is lacking in the rich young ruler that little children have. Okay? And Jesus... Um, was very aware uh, that children in his day were very insignificant. Um, they lacked security. They were dependent on the will of others. They, they really didn't have a place. I didn't verify this, but I remember being told um, that sometimes in this time in history and years around it, children weren't even named until they were a certain age because it was so unlikely that they would survive. And so um, let's pick apart this passage. Let's, let's look at this. So what's, what's happening here? Uh, people are bringing people to Jesus, uh, children to Jesus. Now, why? Why are they doing that? So look back as to, as to what you've studied so far from Mark. Okay, so far we've seen them teach like crazy. We've seen them heal, uh, leprosy, uh, people who are paralyzed, various diseases, the demon possessed, a shriveled hand. He's raised a dead girl. He healed a woman bleeding uh, on his way to Jairus' daughter. Um, he's fed the 5,000. He's calmed the storm. He's walked on water. He's healed a deaf and mute man. He's fed 4,000. He's healed a blind man. He's healed a boy with a deaf and mute spirit. Like we said, Jesus has been busy. He's like the man on the scene. And people want to bring their children to him. They're instinctively bringing their kids to him, their kids to him to bless them. And so what happens? The disciples rebuke them. When I hear rebuke, I hear um, shame, shame on you. What are you doing? He's too, he's too important for this. He's busy. To get them out of here. They don't belong here. And there's shame involved, rebuke. And so then what's Jesus' response? 
It says that he is indignant. I like this word. I looked this word up. Indignant means um, feeling or showing anger or annoyance at what is perceived as unfair treatment. He's ticked. He's mad. He's angry. He's annoyed. I, um, I preached this passage once years and years ago, and someone made a beeline to me. I mean, I hadn't even gotten down off the platform, and someone was in my face saying, how dare you say that Jesus was angry? He was never angry. He was about peace. I'm like, okay then. It, it really does say there, let me check your Bibles if it's different than mine. He was indignant. He's ticked. He's angry. He's annoyed. Okay? And that's acceptable. And why is he annoyed? Because of what we've accomplished already, right? Children are significant. They matter. You don't tell me that they aren't important. They are important. And he's got some teaching to do. He's got some truth that he speaks. And because he speaks that truth, the disciples back off. Okay? Which, you know, so once again, they've missed the point. And I'm, I'm wondering what that made Jesus feel like. I feel like they still don't get it. Are you kidding me? And what they're feeling like, we don't know. But here they are rebuking. It's like, no, 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 they're right. And it's kind of like, oh, my bad. And kind of like the sheepish, I don't know. I would have loved to have been there. And so what the result is, is the outcome is that he embraces them. He blesses them. He wraps his arms around them. He puts his hands on their heads. He blesses them. He prays for them, it says in the other passage. He cares for them. And so what is the truth Um, that Jesus is trying uh, to teach. And that truth is that the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Who are the such as these? Children, kids, right? He's saying anyone, it's, it's very, very clear, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. That's pretty strong language. It's pretty clear language. Unless you receive the kingdom of God like a child, you won't be a part of it. You will not enter it. So then my question is, all right, well then what are children like, okay? And the first thing I like to suggest, and as we kind of, you know, traipse through these, uh, consider, consider which one kind of grabs hold of you, which one you need to be more like as you seek to participate in the kingdom. And I actually, I brought a gift. Um, I don't think there are any kids still in here. I wasn't sure exactly how it would uh, pan out, but... Um, I went to the dollar store, you know, really broke the bank, and I, I bought a gift. And, um, you know, if the kids were still in here, and, I mean, I don't know if you want to go get one and bring one in here, I promise you it would probably go this way. Um, if I were to say, hey, Sam, come on up here, I've got a gift for you, Sam would jump out of the pew. Do you even have a Sam here? Hi, Sam. This is probably a little young for you. Sorry. But, um, you know, I, I'd say, hey, Sam, come on up here. They would jump out of the pew, come running up here, accept the gift, tear into it, right? Say thank you and run on back to their seat. That's how I would guess it would go, all right? If I were to say to one of you, hey, I've got a gift for you, you'd go, me? And I'd be like, yeah, you. And then you'd come up here, you'd be all embarrassed and you'd be self-conscious and you'd be like, but it's not my birthday. I know, it's just a gift. No, but seriously, I didn't do anything. Like, I, why do you, it's too much. You shouldn't do that. And you talk to me for a few minutes about why I shouldn't give you a gift, right? Then you would probably open it really, really carefully, right? Go underneath the tape. You really, because you want to save the paper for later. 
and you're going to put the bow in the bow bag. Anybody else have a mom with a bow bag? Thank you very much. Okay. Love you, Janice. Okay, so, um, you know, you would take your time and you'd fold the paper up and use it again, put the bow in the bow bag, and then you would look at the gift and you'd be like, oh, thank you, you really shouldn't have, right? And you'd go back to your pew, you'd still feel embarrassed, and probably later in the week I'd get a thank you card, right? Again saying, I, you shouldn't have done that, you know, but thank you so much, I'm really enjoying it, and then we would be done. Do you follow that? Okay. So, the kingdom of God, right, has got to be received as a gift. It, it's the only way to receive it. That's what Jesus is saying here. You, you cannot earn it. You don't deserve it. And uh, so many of us spend so much energy trying to be worthy of the gift that God has given us. And I promise you, on your best day, and if you were even able to string a lifetime of best days together, you still would not deserve it. You still would not earn it. His kingdom, what he has accomplished, is a gift through and through, and he's offering it to you. And he's saying it's yours. And he wants you to tear into it like a kid would and enjoy it. Say thank you, throw your arms around his waist, give him a hug, and go. And another thing that I think we don't realize, too, is, you know, often when I would, you know, speak with kids about salvation is, you know, you know, God offers this gift. Until you take it, it's not yours, right? It's, it's offered to everybody. But you've got to take it and open it before it becomes yours and take it home, right? And so the kingdom of God is a gift, period. And unless you receive it as a gift... You cannot receive it. You cannot enter into it. Because as long as you are earning it, right, um, you're missing the point. You're not understanding what the kingdom is all about. Because not one of us is worthy. We're all broken. And depending on how we were raised, you know, there, there are extremes of this. Oh, I'm so unworthy. I could never, da, da, da. And then there's my version where I was, you know, um, just really loved on and affirmed. God's lucky to have me. I'm a good girl on his team, right? Are you kidding me? It took me a long time to get over that and to recognize I'm broken. And what, I, what we all deserve right here sitting in this room is sin, death, and hell. That's what we've earned. That's what we've got coming to us. But thanks be to God, right? What he has accomplished. And it is a gift through and through. Here's another one. Children know how to live in the present moment, right? Um, if you're around kids much, if you remember being a kid, you get absorbed into what you're doing, right? And you're playing Legos, and so the world is Legos and this thing you're creating. So when mom comes and is like, hey, it's time for dinner, it's, you know, you got to adjust. This is reality. Wait, wait a minute. No, no, no. This is my world. This is what I'm doing. And, and transitions turn into meltdowns because, no, how can that be? And you can't even see beyond the fact that you're going to eat in like 10 minutes. You can be right back here playing Legos because they're so absorbed in the present moment, right? The kingdom, in order, in order to engage in the kingdom, in order to live out the kingdom, we have got to be willing to be present in the present moment. This is something I struggle with, I'm not gonna lie. And, and I know some of you do too. And we get worried about the things that are coming, okay? We, we get out of the present into the future and we're bringing the future into the present, that's anxiety, 
okay? You go to the past, and you're bringing the past into the future. That's depression. <laughs> and all the while, we're being robbed of the present moment, of the beauty, of the joy. I experienced it even today sitting at my uh, dinner table after church this morning. Um, I recognize a change in me, and I am tickled about it, and God has had to help me. And it's almost because of our personalities. But I'm done eating. Nobody else is done eating, but I'm done. So I'm ready to jump up, start cleaning up, start, you know, getting my phone out and checking, calling into house. I don't know, just doing whatever I need to do rather than just sitting my butt in the chair and enjoying my family for five more minutes while they finish up. I don't have to be, you know, I'm an activator. Do, 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 right? You know how much you miss out on when you're constantly worried about what's next? Jesus was a master at this. I, I envy it, and when, I, I, when I'm talking with him, I'm like, I, I want to be like you in that, that, that calm in the present, being there for whatever's in front of him, right? Lee, I mean, because the dude went through some serious rejection, betrayal, being completely misunderstood, being called the opposite of what he was there to do. He was able to leave that, be present in the moment with whoever was in front of them, and then move on. And if we're going to be part of the kingdom, we have got, I mean, do we need to plan ahead? Absolutely. Do we need to be prepared? Absolutely. But in order to, I think it's C.S. Lewis that had a quote about um, eternity is where, um, you know, Jesus meets us in the present moment. And there's richness there, and there's a way of living there that is, has to do with the kingdom. All right, what else are children like? Children know how to enjoy life to the fullest. Um, I have, again, different images come to my mind. I'm picturing, have you ever seen a kid eat a piece of cake? Have you ever seen a kid um, enjoy an ice cream cone? Does it matter that it's all over their face and dripping down their elbow? Not even a little bit. They are completely enjoying it. I've seen my kids pick up their plate and lick all the way around it, right? They know how to get the most out of stuff. If, if it's raining, they're going to enjoy puddles, and they're going to splash in them. Kids know how to enjoy life to the fullest. And, and that's what Jesus came to offer. In John, it talks about, I came to give them life, to give you life, and not just life like surviving, barely getting through life, but abundant life, life to the fullest. And I believe that God, once we become part of his kingdom, has made it possible for us to enjoy life in a richer, fuller way than we ever could dream possible if we're willing, if we're open. He, um, again, even in this moment of enjoying the kids, I feel like he was doing that. He was tired. He was exhausted. He's sitting down, and here come more people. And I'm, I just picture the smile on his face and just his face brightening and reaching out to take a baby, reaching out for kids, having fun with them, and just enjoying it, enjoying it to the fullest. Another thing about kids that's pretty cool is they don't worry what other people think. <laughs> um, up to a certain age, and if you guys are studying any developmental psychology out there or anything at SU, um, Eric Erickson, right? Um, up to a certain age, kids are completely oblivious that life exists outside of themselves. 
Okay, that's why they're shocked when they see their teacher at Walmart, because they really believe like their teacher lives in the classroom, like you exist for my purposes. They don't have an, even a conception that other people think about them or have opinions about them until they're like middle school age, which is why middle school is hell, right? Can we all agree on that for a minute? Okay, so kids don't care. They will twirl in the middle of Walmart. They will throw a tantrum in the middle of Walmart. They don't care who hears them screaming and making a complete scene of themselves. They don't care. If they want to, they're going to wear plaid and stripes and a tutu and sparkly shoes anywhere they want. And they could care less what other people think about that because they like it. And that's all that matters, right? And so um, I, I want to suggest that we lose that as we grow up and that as adults, we care very much what other people think. Even as I was confessing to you, like, worried, like, this is so simple, they're gonna think I'm idiots. Like, I don't know. We care about what other people think. And sometimes we put how other people react to our obeying Christ ahead of obeying Him. Sometimes we hear the Lord speaking something to us, the Holy Spirit nudging us in a certain direction, and we think, oh, but that'll look, that'll be stupid. I can't walk up to her. That's ridiculous. I because we worry about how it's going to come across. And again, Jesus was a master at this. He, he cared first and foremost about obeying his heavenly father. And however people respond to that wasn't his concern. His priority was obeying his heavenly father. And again, I, I, I want to suggest that part of being kingdom people is that our first concern is to obey Christ. To get to a point where we recognize we are on this planet for his purposes. And, and we will do whatever it is he wants us to do. Because we're his children. And we can trust him. Another thing that's kind of cool about kids is that they believe that what is spoken is true. This is why... Just double-checking one more time. We can say, there's a Santa Claus. Okay. There's a Tooth Fairy. Okay. There's an Easter Bunny. Okay. <laughs> I just got this quarter out of your ear. Wow. It's a beautiful thing about kids. They believe you. They believe what you say. That's why we've got to be so careful as we're teaching that. But it's part of how God designed kids to come to know him early and then grow in his grace. Because when we say, there's a God, he loves you, they're like, of course there is. You know, it's not until we get older and we're thinking in more abstract ways that we start to wrestle with that and question that, which is good, which we should do. But as children, it's just like, well, of course there is. I, as a children's pastor, I would have parents come to me and they'd be like, I don't, my kids are asking questions. I don't know how to answer them. And um, one was like, why is the sky blue? And I'm like, because God made it blue. Really? That's all I need to say? Yep. <laughs> At this point, they're not ready, you know, for a biology lesson or whatever's involved in why the sky's blue, right? That'll come later. For right now, it's like, why am I short? Well, because God created you that way and you're special that way and it matters and they believe what you say to them, and it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And, and if we're going to be kingdom people, we need to be people of truth. We need, we need to be people who believe what God says. Um, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And, and so when um, the word who became flesh and dwelled among us speaks, 
Let's believe him. Let's be kingdom people who recognize truth and embrace truth and believe truth when it's spoken to us. I think that's important. The other thing that goes with this, too, is that children um, also speak what is true, (laughs) whether you want them to or not. Um, I'm guessing most of us have been embarrassed at some point or another by a kid just saying something, right? They think it, out it comes. And it can be pretty painful, not going to lie, but it's also kind of cool. At the church we attend, um, the pastor will call the kids up for a children's moment before they send them off, you know, kind of like you guys do to children's church kind of stuff. And so, um, and he'll get the microphone and he'll interact with them and everything. And just a couple Sundays ago, he said, you know, what are you guys learning in in Sunday school um, these days? And he went down the line, he gets this one girl, I want to say she was maybe seven, six or seven. She said, I got nothing. Just like, like, she wasn't embarrassed, she wasn't, you know, she didn't try or fake it or pretend. She's like, I got nothing, I have nothing to offer you right now. And everybody laughed. You know, they just, they speak truth. They speak what they know, they speak what they believe. And, you know, similar to the the previous one, if if we're going to be kingdom people, if we're going to participate in the kingdom, we have got to speak truth, Right? No matter what, we've got to be about truth. It's got to be with love and with grace, and that's a whole other sermon. But we have got to be people um, of truth, people who speak truth. Another thing that annoys me about children, but I also kind of admire, that we stink at, in case you're wondering, children ask for what they need. Um, I can remember babysitting, and a kid would be like, I want a drink. I'm like, well, good for you. I don't know why, I had an attitude about that. Like, they're thirsty, so they ask for a drink. They're hungry, they ask for a snack. If they need comfort, they ask for a hug. Children know that when they need something, they need to ask for it. And they do, believing that we can provide it. I think, once again, we kind of lose that as adults. Um, I, I wonder how much we miss out on because we don't ask God for it. I'm ashamed sometimes how far I go down into the worrying and fretting, but I'm like, wait a minute. I haven't even taken this to the Lord yet. And it's going to be in a passage here coming up in Mark 10 that um, I love the way that Jesus does this. It's a blind Barnabas, and it's the dude who's like making a nuisance of himself, saying, you know, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. He's like calling him over. And again, the disciples are like, no, no, no. And Jesus like, bring him on over. And he, he says to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the man says, I want to see. And Jesus is asking you and asking me on a daily basis, what do you want me to do for you? At one point, I kid you not, my response to that was, I want my dog to pee and poop outside and not inside. Jesus, can you help me with that? Like, it was pathetic. He's asking, what do you want me to do for you? And he's inviting our answer. But how often do we actually ask for what we need? Whatever it is, we've been invited, it says, to approach the throne boldly. What do you want me to do for you? I think we need to respond to him like a child would. Children are also completely dependent. If you think about it, they're not very useful. They can't, until a certain age, mow the yard, cook a meal, organize your closets, get a job. You know what I'm saying? They're completely dependent. They can't make their own food. They can't 
dress themselves till a certain age. They can't even go to the bathroom by themselves for a while. They're completely dependent. And this is a, a huge part of the kingdom that we lose sight of, especially in America, um, or in Western culture maybe, let's say. We are all about being independent. You should be able to, to do it on your own. Individualism, right? You, can, you don't need anybody. You can do this on your own. That is, that is not, that is not kingdom. <laughs> that is not, um, when it comes to receiving the kingdom and, and, and receiving the things that we truly need, we are completely dependent on God. And I, I can't, I'm ashamed of how many days I go into the day with the plan and I'm gonna execute the plan. And then when it doesn't go according to plan, I have a little mini adult meltdown. Right? When if, if we go into a day saying, Lord, I've got nothing. This, this day is too big for me. I know I'm facing this, this, and this. I don't have the first clue. I'm going to need your help. I can't do this. I'm here. Whatever you want to do with me, through me, I'm in. <laughs> but this is going to have to be you and not me. I'm completely dependent on you. You'd be amazed how beautiful and amazing it is to live life that way. I used to be able to tell you where I would be this day a year from now. My husband and I, we kicked butt when it came to calendaring. We had a calendaring date every week, and we would pull out our laptops, and we would sync our calendars, and we would touch base, and we were planned out an entire year. I can honestly tell you I have no clue what tomorrow is going to be like. And I'm finding it is so much better to live that way. Am I still a planner? Absolutely. I'm not saying, like, chill, man, go with the flow, whatever. Okay, I know some personalities are that way. Mine isn't. But we have got to recognize that we need him. <laughs> not just for salvation, not just for forgiveness of sins. We need him to respond to people we're going to encounter this day in the right way, to have the words to speak that aren't our own but are his, to have patience when we don't have it. We need him. We've got to recognize that, and we've got to let go that daily battle to prove that we're enough to do it and recognize we're broken and we're lost and we're going to need God to get through this one. And then watch him show up. Why does he need to show up when we've got it? I'm good. Thank you very much. I got this under control. And uh, so often, for me, it's cyclical. You know, I'm, I'm doing great. You know, I'm walking with the Lord kind of step by step. And then I kind of get going because I'm, I'm hitting a groove. I'm in the zone. Before long, it's like, shoot, I did it again. He's way back there because I'm, I'm just going in my own strength. Kicking butt, taking names, feeling good. And I'm completely doing it in my own strength which is pointless, fruitless. Lastly, children are great imitators. Again, this can be awkward and embarrassing. Seems like there was a Facebook kind of a commercial with this that showed little kids like walking behind their parents. I can't remember it now, but um, I don't know if you've experienced um, meeting someone and knowing exactly what family they belong to just by the way that they look and act. Do you know what I'm saying? People would say that to me all the time. Oh, you're a Nielsen, aren't you? Like, yeah. Um, or even worse, this happens to me all the time. I hear my mother come flying out of my mouth, right? We pick up mannerisms from our family. We also pick up, th you know, things from friends. You know, you'll hear, you'll hear a comment or a new way of speaking, and we pick it up and we imitate it. I picked up sweet at some point. I don't know where or how. That's not me. Somebody used to say, oh, you know, people like, give me something. Oh, sweet, thanks. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but I imitate it. 
We all have those little things. Sometimes off a TV show, sometimes it's a friend. Sometimes it's your parents. Children are great imitators. And isn't that the point of the kingdom? Isn't that what we're called to be? Our imitators of the Christ, little Christ Christians, to, to look at who he is and, and be like him, to watch what he does and do what he does, to react the way that he reacts, to speak the way that he speaks, and become better and better and better and better at that. And so I just want to encourage us to have child life faith. And this phrase, I wish if Josh were here, he'd be rolling his eyes if I remember. Has he spoken about this one yet with you guys? God said it and I believe it and that settles it, all right? And I totally agree with his frustration or pet peeve around the idea of people being thoughtless Christians, right? And just, well, God said that's it, so I don't know, okay? We are to be thoughtful Christians. We are to wrestle. We are to struggle. There are, there are a lot of tough issues. There are a lot of tough things that we need to wrestle with, that God invites us to wrestle with. But there is also a sense of... Um, well, I guess here's what I want to say. The struggle is real, but often the answer is simple. So simple that a child could get it. And um, sometimes as adults, we're, we're dealing with very um, adult struggles and problems that are, that are heart-wrenching, that are difficult. It seems like there is no solution. And I, I, I believe that the answer, the peace in the midst of that situation often comes down to one of these very simple facts we're going to explore. And so as, as you consider your current struggle, I'm wondering which one of these you need to embrace as a child tonight, the way a child would, and here they are. God is real. And what he says is true. God loves me. I don't understand it. I don't deserve it. I can't wrap my brain around it. But he said he loves me, and I believe it. God is in control. When I feel out of control, that comforts me. He is in control. Whether we feel like it or think it or not, he is in control. And you know what? I can trust him. God hears me. That one blows my mind, too. I was reading Psalm 139 the other day, and the reminder, like, God thinks of me? Really? Like, the way I'm thinking of my son early, like, just before I came, I was thinking about my son in college I'm in Boston, and I'm like, I cross God's mind like that. God thinks of me, and he hears me when I'm bringing my requests, when I'm talking with him, when I'm sharing my fears, when I'm... He hears me. God is taking care of me. It's not up to me. God, God's, I love the scripture, Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. When I'm struggling, when I'm fighting, I hear that, Janelle, stop it. I've got this. If I'll let him. God will provide. Um, when there's a need, he'll provide. Again, if you'll let him. If you're busy providing for yourself, he's like, all right, I see you got this. I guess you don't need me. <laughs> if you'll let him, he will provide. I don't have to be afraid. We, we sang about that tonight. I don't have to be afraid. I, um, 
I was driving to work the other day. It's been a couple weeks now, maybe even a month. And um, just being straight up honest, I was a little nervous about one of the clients I was going to be meeting with and uh, just fearful. I'm being real, just, you know, inadequacy and unsure of how it would go. And, and then I pictured Jesus in my drive. I told you I'm really, really visual. Like, I pictured Jesus in the driver's seat in my minivan driving to work. And I thought, okay, if Jesus is with me, is there a blessed thing I should be afraid of? If Jesus were in this car, I wouldn't be afraid of jack squat. And if I'm picturing Jesus in that room with me, I have nothing to be afraid of. He, he is. He's here. He's with you always. If he, and if you are physically standing here right now, not a blessed thing any one of us would be afraid of. Not even close. And I'm not alone. That's another one I struggle with because of my own childhood stuff. I'm not alone. He says he's with me always. I'm not alone. And so uh, Jesus is being very clear in this passage here in, in Mark that in order to enter into the kingdom, in order to enter into kingdom life, we have got to become like children. And I, I invite you, as, as we're wrapping up tonight and as we head toward communion, would you, would you consider what area of your life that you need to be kind of come more childlike? Not childish. That's very different. Not childish. Childlike in your faith, in your understanding of the kingdom. Um, and I'm going to pray for us here in a minute, but I, if it's okay, I think we've got time. There's a song that I'd love just to play for you that talks, that's this passage in music. Um, and so as you prepare for communion, I had this thought, but I don't know if it's heresy, but I'm going to put it out there anyway. I want, I want you, as you come to the table tonight, right, to think about coming as a child. And when I thought of that, what immediately came to mind that I thought was, Janelle, don't say this out loud, but I do these things anyway, is like, squish the bread around in your mouth. Like, I don't know. You, you know what I mean? Like a kid would, I, I remember the first time my younger son, Jabin, took communion. Um, we, you know, I was with him in the pew. I want to say he was four or five, you know, and I was just, I was like explaining, okay, this is what this is, you know, and we encourage that in our church, that as soon as they're old enough to understand, have a basic understanding, to use that as a teachable moment. And, um, and so when the little cup come, and I'm nervous as can be because I want him to hold it, but I don't want him to spill it and all that kind of stuff, right? I'm freaking out. He could care less. He, it's all quiet. And he, he sniffs it, and he goes, Mommy, smell it, smell it. It's really cold, really loud. He wants me to smell it. And so I, I do, and he goes back. He smells it, and he goes up his nose. <laughs> and he's... Grape juice up your nose is not a pleasant experience. And um, so that freaked him out a little bit. And, and it's, I was kind of working him through. I'm like, how beautiful the idea of like we're snorting grace. That's bizarre. But like, versus it was one of these little shot glasses, you know what I'm saying? Like we are like just inhaling grace. And I can remember as a kid, you know, and that's not that we were doing intiction here tonight, but I would take that little cup. Can you picture that little plastic shot glass cup? And I would put my tongue on it and twirl it. Um, you know you did that, right? That's, that's what a kid would do. A kid, a kid would probably be like, can I have more? Can I have seconds? 
All the time in children's church, I'd have a lollipop. Can I have two? No, you can't have two. Say thank you for the one, right? A kid would come up here and be like, sure. A kid would take the cup and guzzle. Not this little like, or, and I, I love that imagery. That we guzzle grace, that we, we receive it like a child. Pray with me. Father, we, we love you. And we are amazed that um, we are your children. And God, we believe your word is true and we want um, to obey it and we want to be your kingdom here on earth. We, we understand that you have called us to be the hands and feet, to be your body here, that the kingdom is present in us as we are alive on this planet. And so my prayer is, as we prepare for communion, God, is that you would help us to recognize where we, um, where we fight the kingdom as adults rather than embracing it as children. And, and so thank you for teaching in such a simple way and making clear that we have got to receive the kingdom. We have got to participate in the kingdom as a child would. Thank you for that. Thank you for grace. Thank you for the call to participate uh, in your supper, your meal as a body as we are about to do. And God, even, even as we listen uh, to this passage and song, as we listen to these words, would your Holy Spirit, I pray, show us where we need to become more like a child in order to um, receive what you have for us, in order to have peace, in order um, to be in relationship with you in a way that you intend. I pray that you would bless this congregation. Thank you for their love for you, their love for your kingdom, for this community, for each other. Thank you for the way that you help them to love well. And my prayer is that you would continue to protect them, that you would continue to move among them and show them who you are and help them as they show a hurting, broken world who you are. And I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.